I was really interested in the news that Abcol are to launch a strategic merger task force. Robert Kelly, Chief Executive Officer at Abcol, once again appears to tackle subjects that appear sometimes to be difficult to deal with, but nevertheless are really of the moment. Credit union mergers, or transfer of engagements, have typically been a way of saving struggling credit unions from failure by being absorbed into their healthier partner. However, could two or more credit unions join and become strategically stronger by merging from a position of strength of their combined healthy businesses? I caught up with Robert Kelly and started out by asking him, what is a strategic merger? Well, thanks as always, Chris, for the opportunity to come along and we're delighted to launch this initiative and, and just to get a really open and honest debate uh, within, within the Apple membership, first and foremost, about the opportunities, uh, the challenges, uh, and, and some of the dynamic around uh, strategic merger task force and strategic mergers overall. This came up as part of the conversation in the 2019 town hall consultation process that we, that we undertook and, and culminated in the Vision 2025 document that we launched last March. And I was really keen just to maybe to get people together to get their views on how we push this agenda forward. And remember that the, uh, the town hall consultation and as we built that Vision 2025 document was pre-COVID days, so you know this was earlier than some of the impact that the, the credit union sector has seen in the last 10, 10, 11 months now since since the pandemic. So I think for, from our point of view, we just want this open and honest conversation about what are the opportunities out there, what role can mergers play in boosting and maintaining sustainability within the sector. And, and I think it's important to say right at the start that we recognise that a merger won't always be on a collaboration process of credit unions coming together, that's not always necessarily the right answer to, to the question that's identified. But I think it certainly can be a really strong opportunity for individual credit unions where they're looking at their overall sustainability path, where they're looking at potential synergies between other credit unions in the sector. So for me, the idea of the idea that it's been a strategic look is that where does it sit in amongst the existing business plans that we have? What role can APCO play in facilitating these conversations, if any? What other stakeholders might get involved? And how do we actually maybe build some policy framework around this and actually support the implementation of merger activity, collaboration, transfers of engagement, whatever that may be? How do we do that in a more coherent and robust way than perhaps we've done so far? I think one of the things that occurred to me as well is a bit of perspective on this is that I remember, because I've been involved a long time, that I think there must have been five or 600 credit unions when I first started getting involved. And I, I mean, that's that's just APCOL credit unions. I don't know about the others, but that, that figure's come down over the years just by sort of credit unions that have failed, credit unions that have been absorbed and transfer of engagement. So there's a natural sort of tide to these things as well, isn't there, Robert? It absolutely is, Chris, yeah. I mean, even within, just within GB alone, I think in 2002, as we approached the implementation of regulation, you know, the FSA regulation at that time, there was 698 credit unions in, in, in GB alone. We're now below 300. Uh, Abco, Abco has just over 60% of those in, in our membership. When you add, when you look at a, a UK perspective and add in Northern Ireland, then you, you've got, I think it's in the region of 420 odd credit unions. Mm. So, in GB alone, the numbers have come down significantly, and actually, there's still the majority of that change. Well, we recognise there has been failures, and I think I think the predominance of failures is is part of the conversation that we're trying to promote here, yeah. which is what drives failure. 
and what, what drives a lack of a timely conversation around potential synergies, collaboration and mergers. And sometimes, as we know, you know, credit union boards, they maybe wait too late until such time that actually it's not possible to, you know, the balance sheet's not strong enough to, to pursue an alternative other than failure. You know, those numbers have come down and, and I think we would expect to see continued consolidation and, and actually the se- sectors all over the world have seen that consolidation. And also, we reflect that growth, that worldwide growth, that although the... Uh, the numbers of credit unions have reduced. The um, numbers of members has gone up in the opposite direction. So it's not, it's not a sad story. It's just a story of evolution, isn't it? I think I think you're right. Yeah, we're serving we're serving more people than ever. Uh, and you know, and it's not my objective or, or Apco's objective overall is to see a lesser number of credit unions, not at all. But, but our, you know, our approach and our objective is, is to see a level of individual credit unions across the country that are sustainable, that have strong business plans, that have got good operations, they've got a well-defined common bond, and that they know how they're going to deliver products and services. And I think that's you know, that's part of it. We, we want a sustainable sector. And the sector, I think, alone, market forces will determine uh, you know, some, some the overall number. But I think the trends so far in the last 20 years or so to the, to the previous date that I gave. And then if you look at, again, North America is a, is a really strong example. We're seeing the same in the Republic of Ireland as well, where the regulators actually played a more prominent role in, in pursuing some of these joining forces for, for, uh, for credit unions to, to come together and, and serve you know, a regional area or other employers or whatever that may be. You know, I think I think it's really important that we're, we're looking at this strategically and that we've we, we can offer some advice and perhaps we build some policy framework around it. And then we can share that with, within the APCO membership. If that is a wider benefit within the sector, great. And if that has, if there's any impact with stakeholders and legislators and regulators, then that would be even better. There's going to be somebody listening to this podcast that's saying, well, if credit unions are doing well, why would they take the risk of merging and fixing something that isn't broken? I, th- I think in terms of the merger collaboration, conversation, transfers of engagement, however, however we describe it. I think the challenge is that there has to be a long-term view of sustainability. The sustainability is not necessarily a 6 months, 12 months, or even 18 months, 24 months scenario. I think credit unions up and down the country should be willing to look at themselves and say, where are we going to be in five years' time? Where are we going to be in 10 years' time? Now, I recognise, and the pandemic has, has, has absolutely shown how... How, how different events can come at you very left field, uh, you know, and, and not necessarily have any control over. But I think it's incumbent on the credit union sector to, to make sure that there is a, a continuation of service and, a, and a, an improvement in service in the way that we do business with people that we serve all across the country. And then amongst that, sometimes those are tough decisions. And I've seen I've seen credit unions all, in different parts of the country realise the balance sheet and the, the volunteer base is OK for the next few years but they were worried about the longer-term sustainability. And they've actually been really brave and said, you know what, we need to think about what happens next. We need to think about whether there's a partnership opportunity. And sometimes getting that scale just makes a huge difference. You know, the economies of scale behind the scenes, the development of policies and procedures. And there's, not, you know, there's nothing wrong with having a plan that says, you know what, we need to do the right thing for our member base, first and foremost. And in some cases, that's tough choices. But if it means continuation of and an improvement of service, then you know sometimes those collaboration journeys can be really worthwhile. 
I suppose as a trade association, you've got to also counsel credit unions. And if a credit union came to you and said, well, well what makes a merger successful? You know, what, what would be the definition of a successful merger? What would you say? Yeah, I mean, we, we, do, we do need to, uh, which is why I want this conversation within the membership and mm. within the task forces to actually try and understand the, the role that Apple can and should play. Uh, because at the moment it tends to be very uh, individualised. It tends it tends to be based on relationships that we have with members of the unions that come forward looking for advice and a little bit of an idea of how to approach these things. I think what we've seen in terms of successful mergers over the piece would be that the the planning phase starts early enough that the, that when a pound is a pound and hopefully you know there's solvency within the credit union and there's a relatively strong balance sheet. I think if you start from that space there's much more chance of attracting a potential partner uh, or looking at, you know, looking at options. So unfortunately, sometimes credit unions just wait too long and, and the balance sheet becomes so inherently weak and risky that it's actually quite difficult to find a potential collaboration, transfer of engagement. So I, I think the success factors are planning uh, early enough. I think be open and honest in terms of the potential change. Have the, have the really difficult conversations at respect to board levels first understand what it means in terms of your overall business plans, both the credit union that may be taking over, if that's the right terminology, and I know that that can be sensitive for people and we completely respect that, but also then to make sure that you've got the resources, because it's like everything else, until you until you actually dig a little bit deeper and you try and assimilate uh, sometimes, which can be two very distinct businesses, that's when you tend to find, you know, you'll find out all of the issues in play particularly around your know, loan books and, and otherwise. So I think plan early, be forensic in terms of the uh, the due diligence that's that's carried out. Make sure it works. Make sure that it's going to have the right sort of impact on your capital ratio overall when, when the combined credit comes together and just get everyone to buy into the, the longer-term vision. And I know that that can be difficult for people, but sometimes making the tough choices fundamentally the best thing to do for, for, for the people that you serve. Am I reading between the lines there that you're saying don't leave it too late? Is that a pitfall? It can be, absolutely. And I think for some credit unions where they, they potentially uh, kick themselves at, you know, after the event where they, where they felt that maybe a, a, a more speedy conversation at board level or for, or for people to look at options in a more uh, timely manner because you know sometimes things can just we have seen some credit unions that go into a little bit of a malaise and, and you know, there's, there's no fresh thinking in it. And it's almost, they need to make sure that the sustainability question should always be on the agenda. I'm not suggesting that it has to come up at every board meeting. But on a regular basis, the, the board members and, and staff teams, if that's relevant, and volunteers need to be willing to, to talk to each other and say, what's the long-term plan here? And if you're doing that regularly enough and having a really honest debate and forensically looking at the numbers... Uh, not just balance sheet, but income and expenses, membership trends, loan portfolios. I think then you'll get a sense of the direction the credit union is going in. So I think the pitfalls are you wait too too long. Sometimes even when you get into the, the implementation phase, you need to recognise that there will be bumps in the road. So be ready for those and, and make sure that from a culture perspective that the credit unions that are coming together, that there's work, some work done to make sure that, that those Sometimes differences of, of opinions or different objectives can be merged together successfully. So, yeah, there are some pitfalls, whether that's a planning phase or implementation phase. And as I say, there's great, you know, there's, there's great work out there for people that have done this already. 
And I would like to think that some of those experiences will be brought to life when we when we implement the, the task force. When we talk about mergers, and we've talked about them in the past with credit unions in the UK, they've been mostly a, an acquisition or a transfer of engagement for a credit union that's not in a good position. And the regulator sometimes gets involved and nudges the larger credit union to absorb so that the membership itself doesn't die. I, I think what I'm again reading between the lines from what you're saying is that you think that mergers could come from a position of strength rather than waiting for a failure. Absolutely, Chris. I think it's a really important point, and you know, if you look, if you look at the the Irish uh, Republic of Ireland situation, the central bank in Ireland as a regulator will play a very prominent role in making sure that you know the credit unions can come together where they, where they perhaps see some some inherent weakness in, in one. Our regulator doesn't play that role per se, and you know, and the PRA are very clear on that. I mean, we understand the reasons why, but I think. You know, mergers can come from points of success, yes, and as I said earlier on, if two or more individual businesses look at it and say, do you know what, we can achieve much more together, we can achieve more economies of scale, we can achieve more investment uh, opportunities, more buying power, more collective bargaining, we can bring staff teams together, we can bring the best of both together, uh, fresh ideas, wider common bonds. You know, and scale, scale does matter. You know, when it comes to these uh, these conversations. So I think we should be pursuing the opportunity for mergers from the point of strong performance. Uh, now that that might not always be as obvious to people, and again, I think some of that will come out in the conversation. And for me, it's really important. You, you've, you've used the terms, you know, potential acquisitions and takeovers. And we recognise the sensitivities that come with that type of terminology within the credit union sector. And again, that's something I want to have a really honest debate about, which is how do we approach that and how, how big a problem, if any, is it? Uh, but I think we also have to be willing to, to answer those questions honestly. And I, I, I would agree with your assertion, Chris, that the majority of mergers that we've seen, or the majority of collaboration uh, that we've seen over the years has normally came from one credit union perhaps uh, being potentially struggling or not performing as well as they should, and, and either a larger credit union or a more strongly strongly performing credit union has, has effectively taken them over. And so I, I do think we need to have a, an honest conversation about the sensitivities of the semantics and the language, but we also need to be willing to say it's not always about a point. It's not always about a point of distress or a point of failure. It can be from a point of strength. I think that's exactly right. That about the language and the sensitivity, because there's so much people got so much emotional involvement with their credit unions. People that that launched their credit unions back in the seventies and eighties and nineties. That that and those some of those people are still around. But I still think one of the questions that the strategic membership task force are going to have to grapple with, and that is that there are going to be still chief executives and boards of directors that feel that they will still hang on to what it is against the probably the best interests of their members. Do you think you're going to discuss that sort of thing as well, Robert? I think I think we have to, Chris. I really do because, and and again, I, I'm not I'm not underestimating the size of this challenge. And you know, it's not for it's not for me or for the association to dictate the longer term future of. You know, of individuals within organisations, uh, member credit unions, or the wider sector. It's not for us to dictate whether two credit unions or more should come together, not at all. We don't see that as our job. We, we see our job as facilitating 
some of those conversations and providing a, a mechanism to, to offer advice or to share best practice case studies, things like that. You know, I, I mentioned in the opening blog that I sent out to, to our co-members and said, well, let's get, and one of our members used this, one of our member credit union representatives used this term recently, and I thought it was really apt, is let, let's get the taboo on the table, let's talk about the difficult questions that are, that are in people's heads and that are being debated at board level. In the States, it's quite interesting. What you see from a, from a, a, a collaboration or merger perspective, a lot, a lot of times what happens over there is that as a credit union has grown and we've had you know, a strong leader in place for a lot of years, chief executive role, sometimes at board level as well as someone that's been in the, the chair seat. When, when they decide to move, move aside or move on or to retire, a lot of the times the credit unions then are faced with a decision that says, OK, can, can we continue in the same vein? Can we find someone else to lead the next uh, development agenda in, in, the, you know, in the next number of years for the credit union? In lots of cases, they can. And as I said, that sometimes prompts conversations with credit unions on a geographical basis or at a, an employer level, depending on what their, their field of membership is. So, yeah, I know I know it can be difficult for, and I know sometimes what happens, we're, we're not naive enough to think that if you, if you use those terms, mergers, collaboration, acquisition, takeovers, a, a component part of that sometimes is not, not every role will survive. So, again, that has to be out there on the table. It has to be debated and talked about. And actually, there has to be uh, leadership shown. So, ARCO's not here to dictate, but I think we want to facilitate this open conversation. Do you see APCO will play the role as mediator or uh, a person that brings credit unions together? Is that a role that you see the trade association doing? I think it could be. Uh, I think we I think we would want to make sure that that's something that our member credit unions would be comfortable with. In fairness, Chris, we've done some of that over the years. And, it, and again, it depends on personalities involved and it depends on whether you know, board members or staff members reach out to ARCO, but We've certainly facilitated conversations between member credit unions. We've we've facilitated uh, conversations that have led to mergers and, and acquisitions between an APCO member and non-APCO uh, members. We've actually lost some members because of that. Now, whilst that was difficult to uh, to see happen, actually it was it was a really strong leadership role that we had to play, which was to say, if it means, I mean, uh, the maintaining and improving of a service and product and service range for a set of members somewhere in the country. And it's actually, they're going to see the benefit of the Apple member credit union being taken over or merged into another credit union that's not within our membership. And, of course, we want to maintain our membership. We want to help our members all the time. I think one of the challenges is we need, we need, to, be big, we need to be big enough and brave and, and, and show leadership in those situations. If it's right for the credit union, and and the, and the and the members involved, but who who are we to take those terms? So yeah, I think we will play a role. I think we already do, and I would like to think that we can maybe standardise and modernise some of that approach as part of this conversation. Uh, but I would want that to be led as always by the member feedback. Excellent, Robert. Well, hats off to you for taking on prickly subjects and you've not been afraid of it in the past and a long way continue. I think this is a really excellent subject and I think it's one that won't go away. So we're better off doing it and doing it the way you're doing it. So Robert Kelly, thanks for joining us today. Pleasure, Chris. Thank you very much. Well, a big thank you to Robert Kelly for his time and provoking our thinking on the subject of credit union mergers. This new task force should have its work cut out in helping understand what role mergers have in boosting the sustainability drive for credit unions. 
A great deal has been said in recent times about the need for collaboration between credit unions. And I know there are collaboration projects out there that are doing well. But I wonder, is there a cooperative way forward for us all? Whether that could be jointly owned QSOs, you know, credit union service organisations, or in some cases, strategic mergers. Finally, it has to be said that sometimes following mergers of any business, scale economies lead to tough outcomes for some stakeholders. And I hope the board of our credit unions are ready for that.